parents are really relevant to all men and women, not just pastors, but those in leadership uh, have a higher, not a higher calling as far as, you know, better than or more superior. What it means really is more responsibility. So they've got to lead by example. They've ha- they have to have things in place to help in this area. And so let's unpack this for a minute. I believe unlike any other time in our world's history is this struggle has, has, has this struggle been more challenging than the last say, you know, 40, 50 years with photography and then uh, magazines and now the internet, it's just unbelievable at the click of a mouse. I mean, it's just, it's the, the, the perversion and how perverted and how, how bad it's getting uh, has to really wake us up. And I often say the stronger the attack, the stronger the defense. So you have to go in there, this with both eyes open, willing, that's the key, willing to make the changes. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to primarily guys. I let um, our women counselors help the, the women, of course, in this area. But, you know, okay, we've got to, you got to do this. I would suggest this. And, and they're like, oh man, I don't know about that. That's a little hardcore. I mean, well, how bad do you want it? So here's what happens. Uh, let me let me just break down with singles, uh, single men. You start to, um, if you're addicted to pornography or even if, if you stumble on it quite often, uh, it, it, it's going to give you a really flawed perception of a married life and, and uh, what this whole idea of, of sex as God designed it. It's going to give you flawed, uh, not only a flawed image, uh, but also... You'll, you'll see it's it's a hunger that can never be satisfied. And that's why these things get deeper and darker. And now when I was doing a, when I did a, 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 a sermon on porn, I think it was the perils, the perils and power of porn. You can probably find it on YouTube. It's just the statistics, uh, things I, I wasn't even aware of, of how many millions and millions of people log on every day and uh, the need for perversion uh, like mother and her stepson, stepfather and her, and her his stepdaughter, I guess. And, and just, it, it just, the perversion is, is in, it, it keeps getting darker and darker. And that's why there's a rise in child porn, I believe. And, uh, what happens though is <clears throat> because this is not natural, it's something that can't be satisfied. It grows and grows. And that's why there's even people who switch become bisexual because of pornography and what pornography is pr- programmed in them. And then men, you know, wanting to do things with their wives that they see on these videos. And also um, that's, you got to be very careful in that area because then it's forced. And some of these things are not natural. They're not good. The natural use of a body, we can just leave it at that. And that's how God designed it. And when there's natural sexual relationships with your spouse and uh, consent and growing, you, you, it's something you cherish and it's good and God given. But when it gets more perverted, more hardcore, more raunchy, that can't ever be satisfied. So it gets, it gets worse and worse. And that's why many men say it's become a monster. I can't control anymore. I'm addicted and it gets darker and darker. And because it wasn't, you're, you're taking it past the limits of, of sexual responsibility. So, um, on that point, I'm <coughs> sorry, on that point, of, of being single. Uh, I remember when I was single, you know, just having the safeguards, uh, things that block, uh, block on the internet, things, uh, spam and, and just, I would just look at spam, make sure it's nothing that accidentally got to spam and delete it and delete, you know, 50, 60, 70 emails. 
<clears throat> at a time and you don't think about it you don't well i wonder what this is and so you have to have there's there's an uh, there's a a determination there wanting you see you want to do it i don't want to fall in this area i don't want it to ruin my marriage and and so you put in these precautions and and you have accountability if that helps here's the thing with accountability uh, we can't trust it in and of itself um, you know, if you think accountability is going to fix your problem, you're gravely mistaken. It's only one of many, many tools. Uh, really, the, what happens, <clears throat> how you fix it is your heart changes, your mind changes. You're not conformed to the things of the world, conformed to pornography anymore. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you get into God's word. You let it change your mind, how you tr how you view the opposite sex and and this hunger begins to subside and but then you have natural things god given natural uh, desires for that that sexual union and it, it is a struggle and and i don't think you know we weren't designed as single people just to um well just hope it never happens till i get married i mean there's a struggle there and i believe that's why they got married fairly young in the bible is you know you you would offset this uh, this desire is growing and not awakening love too soon, like Solomon would say. But um, so the single life, what you're dabbling in now, and if it's a problem now, it's like no big deal to just get it on your phone, your laptop. You'll it, it'll get it'll get a hook in you, and it will become dark and demonic. You really open the door to a demonic stronghold because what you're doing is you're fornicating. You are opening your mind and body up to multiple women, although not in person. It still has that same. Uh, damning and damaging effect on your mind. And then, of course, as you move into the married life, uh, that's where uh, it's it's important to um, to keep everything I just talked about, keep those same blinders on, the same, you know, it's not like grinning and bear it. It's really changing your mind. The more you're in God's word, the more you're worshiping, the more you're accountable, accountable, accountable transparent. You know, I'll leave my phone on my desk uh, eight at night till six in the morning. And just my wife has a password. You know, it's it's check history, whatever. There's There's got to be that desire. Also, there is accountability software. Uh, you know, if even just sites that aren't harmful, uh, it'll block them if it has the wrong words. And just that extra layer of precaution because, see, God sees your heart. You, you desire to want to do good. So even if you were to stumble or you fell and you get back up on track and you want these safeguards, you want these areas in your life. And, and really, as the Holy Spirit changes your heart and... Uh, and you add accountability, you add safeguards in, it can be very, very, uh, very, very, very beneficial in overcoming this. Also, as if pastors are listening, since we don't know yet if this will turn into more of a pastor's podcast, um, they uh, can be transparent with, let's say, the elder board. Uh, you know, you got to be careful and trusted friends and, hey, just hold me accountable. You know, how are things going in this area? Uh, ask your spouse, how are things going in this area? And you're transparent, you're open, you're teachable, you're humble. But anytime you try to hide it, it's going to grow. And sin, as we know, grows in the dark. And so as we, as we, let's say a person enjoys it, but you know, I've heard this, oh, man, hey Shane, it's only once a week, you know, once a week I cave in and you know, I, I, it's, it's not that bad. And see, there's, you start to justify this behavior. It should never be justified. It should be like, Lord, take this away. I don't want to have anything to do with it, but it's a challenge. Uh, you go on Facebook and Facebook has ads, a uh, TikTok. You know, I downloaded the app so I could share some videos. A friend of mine recommended I do that. And then the homepage is, is like every time I go on TikTok, there's, there's this, all this stuff that's 
not good. And so, okay, let me just delete this app. I, I don't want to take my mind there and want, avoiding movies uh, where you know there's going to be that sexual pull. Uh, and so there are a lot of things that you can do. Now, it won't make it go away because it's a God-given desire. But if that desire is harnessed and 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 reined in and has boundaries um it can be very healthy and not very difficult but if you if you let loose and you let it go and that's what pornography does it opens the door to demonic strongholds and here's what i've seen usually when a person is not self-disciplined in this area or allows things he shouldn't allow or she of course now it's a big big with women there's a demonic stronghold you open the door to this activity and now you don't want to read the Bible as much. You don't want to go to church as much. And you, you really begin to falter spiritually because of this one area. And I've seen people go back to their addictions. Uh, it starts with pornography and it's like they get shame and guilt. And uh, and if you're not self-disciplined, you'll, you'll fall back into the last addiction you just got out of or or, or irresponsible spending and gambling and alcoholism, uh, back to marijuana. I mean, a lot of these things are tied together. Disciplines of the body are all tied together. When you're disciplining the body, like Paul said, and it, it, it's it's running on all eight cylinders. Again, not perfectly, and it's, it's a struggle, it's a challenge, but there's strength, and you can say no to different things. And so pornography, to me, opens the door uh, to other things as well. And, and uh, especially with preaching and pastors, it will take away the anointing from your message it will take away the anointing from your sermon. You won't be able to hear from God as clearly. Uh, you, you, you'll you get up there and, and it's just not the power of the Holy Spirit because you're quenching and grieving the Spirit. So praise God, though. There's a beautiful word. Get your pen out. Write this word down. You'll see it all throughout the Bible. It's called repentance. God created me a clean heart. Help me in this area. I want help. I want freedom. And maybe you get plugged in. Uh, I, I do have my book, Help, I'm Addicted. It's on our church website, westsidechristianfellowship.org. Again, westsidechristianfellowship.org. Help, I'm Addicted. You can download it free at our church website there. And that, that should offer a lot of tools, a lot of scripture. Uh, really, it's meditating on the word of God. And when, uh, let's say that desire comes up. Okay, well, I'm not going to go on the computer because that's, that's like an alcoholic feeling that desire to drink. They're not going to go sit in a bar just to talk to Johnny or play some pool. They better run the opposite direction. If they feel that gambling spree coming on, they better not head to that casino. I mean, it's just common sense. So, uh, and, and you take a drive or you put on worship, you open God's word. And the thing about temptation is it peaks and it peaks maybe, you know, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, and then it begins to plummet. Once you resist that temptation, that temptation begins to flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so those are just some things uh, that can help. There's not really, okay, here's a checklist of seven things. Okay, I check this off. I check this off. I check this off. Now I'll never have that desire again. No, that desire again is healthy. It's natural. God has given us that desire. But just like fire is wonderful in a fireplace, it's terrible out on the living room floor. Same thing with sex and, and these areas. And uh, the question does come in, can I look at pornography with my spouse? Um, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like having multiple partners. It's like your mind's not 
going in the right direction. And um, I've, I've known Christian couples who have, have had to remove it from their house. Uh, and what happens is, and they say, but Shane, if I don't, our sex life is so dull. Well, that tells you something right there, that your mind is being warped, your conscious is being seared, and you need to bring it back in, bring it back into God's word, uh, and just rejoice in the wife of your youth. There's a lot of, of safety there staying in God's word. So this next section, what I'm going to do, it is, uh, again, it aired on Family Life Today, March 8th, 2022. I'm going to play this for you, uh, and this is more like an introduction to it. And I think this will really help, especially those in pastoral leadership. Notice how he was transparent. He owned it. And see, when you do that, when you're transparent, you own it. That's when you're going to see a big change in your life. And most of you listening maybe aren't pastors, but you can uh, own it. And you can say, you know, you can go to your spouse. You know, spouses know how we feel. My wife knows I'm a man and I know she's a woman and those desires come. And if you talk and you communicate and say, hey, I'm just struggling today. Gosh, help me. Pray for me. And, and um, uh, you, you know, you kind of you bring it to the light and that it loses its power. And so. I know what many are thinking, though, man, Shane, I'm so deep into this. I'm looking every day, sometimes twice a day. I don't know what to do. Well, you got to start somewhere. And so what you start with is repentance. Lord, help me. I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind. But that has to lead to a change of action. That's true repentance. Lord, help me with this area. I am um, needing your help. I can't do this on my own. I know, you know if I tell my spouse, it's going to just crush her and maybe lead to separation or divorce. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I need you. And you, you, you begin, you begin seeking God and seeing what God wants to do. And maybe some time goes by and say, Hey, this is, has been a struggle. It's coming, it's coming back a little bit or, and I need your help. And, and so you have to, you know, you use wisdom, you go to maybe a men's group, a men account, men's accountability group, you get a brother you can trust and, and, uh, but you've got to make changes. You got to put that, I would put accountability software on my phone. Um, maybe, let, maybe let's say, see, there's different, there's di so many different scenarios. Some wives are very supportive and say, okay, understand. Let me walk through this with you. <laughs> Some will say, pack your clothes. I'm getting divorced from you. And, you know, or they're highly emotional and, be, and will be really hurt. And so, you know, there's not a one size fits all approach. I don't think it's good to keep it in the dark. I don't think it's good to uh, obviously lie ever, but you have to be strategic, repent and, um, I would even say, you know, let's say things are going pretty good and uh, bring it to your spouse. Hey, you know what? Um, I heard a teaching on pornography and I want to make sure our marriage is secure. Uh, and uh, I want to put some accountability software on my phone. And it, it, what it'll do, it'll send you any questionable sites uh, that I visit. And that's what mine does. I, I mean, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It starts with a Q. It's actually hard to hard to pronounce. Let me see if I can find it on my phone. Uh, let's see. Q, you can, you can just, um, you can, I know Covenant Eyes was pretty good. And um, they all have their pluses and minuses. Oh yeah, here we go. Q, Q-U-S, Q-U-S-T-O-D-I-O, Custodio, Custodio, keep your child safe online, ensure, ensure your child's digital activity is balanced and risk-free. Um, it, it has it for adults as well. And you know, it's like even YouTube's or search what you're searching for. You search, let's say you put in there bikinis or Victoria's Secret or um, I don't know what you put in there. Um, it'll 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 flag it. 
And so anyway, you go to your spouse, say, hey, why don't we do this and just add the accountability and now, of course, you're going to get maybe why are you looking at pornography right now? And um, and if you haven't been for a while, you know, you just say, hey, no, I'm not. But it's a struggle. And and so, again, you, you want to use wisdom, um, but you, you have to be transparent. You have to be open. You have to say, I want to do whatever it takes to protect my marriage and my purity. And I believe God will honor that. And God will bless that. But seek him. Look to him. Use the word of God. Uh, and if. Well, this is a no-brainer. I don't even know why, I, I, how I forgot to mention this, but it should be a no-brainer. If you're watching things, you know, I, I've had people tell me, man, when I watch the cheerleaders on ESPN or at these games or when I when I go on uh, YouTube and I watch this or when I uh, TikTok and whatever it is, if, if it's causing you to stumble, remove it. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to take a break from the computer or TV for a week. And you remove those things. That's why Jesus used very hard examples. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. In other words, you can't negotiate with sin. It's not your friend. You can't make a peace treaty. You have to cut it out. You have to crucify it. So with that said, here's the introduction to, see if I can find it again, Family Life Today on March 18th. And they're interviewing uh, a pastor by the name of Garrett Kell. K-E-L-L, and I thought this would be a good help uh, for those struggling in this area. Jesus was very patient with sexual sinners. He was very tender with them. But he was hard against religious hypocrites. And you've got to pick. Are you going to be a broken, humble sinner who needs him, or are you going to be a religious hypocrite? Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson, and you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. So I can remember often men in our church would set up an appointment to come see me constantly yeah i mean you know you're a pastor and uh you talk about different things and you hit a chord with somebody so they'll come in wait so when they would come in did you think oh i know what this is about well often they would sort of stumble around because i could tell they're afraid to really talk about why they're you know you're talking you're laughing but i'm i can sense them getting nervous and usually and i'm not kidding it felt like eight out of ten guys had a porn struggle that they and because I had from the pulpit said I've struggled with that they felt comfortable like well if he struggled with it I can go in and talk to him about it but they were a little afraid to bring it up so they bring it up and I'll never forget this one time Bruce one of the drummers in our band and I played bass so I knew Bruce really well he sets up this appointment and I'm like why would Bruce want to meet I mean we talk all the time we're in the band together right and he comes in and he's hem hawing around and I finally go okay Bruce I know why you're here and he goes, why? I go, you're struggling with porn. I know every guy that I've talked to struggles with porn, so that's okay. Let's go. Let's talk about it. He goes, dude, no, I don't struggle with porn. Why do you say that? And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of guys like <laughs> are like you. They're hesitant to tell me what's going on, so I figured that's what it is. I go, why are you here? He goes, well, I just gave my life to Christ. I'm just hoping you can, like, disciple me. <laughs> and I'm like, the awesome, guy's saying, man. That's this better. Is, this we'll is great, it. you know. But I'll never forget that moment because I, I got to the point where I thought this is universal. Every mm. guy. I didn't meet with women, so I didn't know their story. Well, but every and I guy. was meeting with the women, and so often – 
women were saying, I have no idea what to do. My husband's struggling. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like this is about me. Help me. Mm -hmm. And then I would also have meetings where women are saying, I'm struggling with this issue, and I don't know where to get help. Yeah, so we've got Garrett Kell back with us today, pastor of a church in Delray Baptist. Did I say Mm -hmm. it right? Yep. Delray Baptist Church in Alexander, Virginia. You were with us yesterday. We're glad you're back. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be here. Appreciate and, it. And I love it, Garrett, that you have six kids. And how many years you've been married? We've been married 14, 14? Uh, years. Yep. And our Did oldest you ever think you'd have six kids? Was that I, like the plan? No. Didn't like kids much. <laughs> and then the, the Lord's <laughs> like, we're going to give you a bunch, of that, a bunch of them and fix that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you missed yesterday, uh, obviously we heard your story, which was this epic Awesome mm-hmm. coming to Christ story. Uh, but then we got into after you came to Christ and now you, you've been pastoring for years, you had mm-hmm. this secret sort of struggle that we just talked about, this pornography battle. We heard the journey yesterday, but we didn't hear of, you know, how you came to mm-hmm. start winning this battle. It sounded yeah. like you were hiding something, even in, in ministry. Yeah. And nobody really knew except you. And a lot of us have been there. And I know our listeners, if they're being really honest, they may be the only ones that know this battle. Mm-hmm. Tell us the rest of the story. I mean, what what yeah. happened? You're pastoring, and yet when you go home, you're struggling with pornography. I think, too, Dave, I think listeners are thinking, is it possible to win? Sure. You know, how can we win? Help us to win because I feel hopeless at yeah. this point. Yeah. So as Dave said, take us back to your journey. Yeah, and I did feel hopeless. You know, I mean, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, there was a time where I thought, I'm just always going to be like this. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of resolved myself to trying to figure out how to live in the duplicity. It haunts you. A guilty conscience is a gift from the Lord, and I was trying to trying to hide it. But, yeah, so I've been a pastor for about three years, and I had a pattern of every couple of weeks or every month or two or something like that where I would retreat either for a brief time or for a more extended time and indulge in pornography, then feel super guilty and delete my search history and call a friend and be like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm struggling a little bit. Pray for me. And that pattern just went on and on and on. Did you wallow in that? Did you Were you in your head full of shame? Uh, there were times that I certainly was full of shame. I felt it particularly when I was trying to counsel other people oh, yeah. where I felt the weight of my hypocrisy where I would be trying to counsel them. And there was a couple times I think I withheld some really hard words mm. because I knew deep down that I wasn't living it. Mm. And I can just see how Satan was, he wasn't just getting me. He was getting a lot of people because of of my sin struggle. Which is interesting. I mean, just to make the point that we often think our sin struggle just affects it us. It does not. It and always man, affects oh others. I mean, I mean, the people you're ministering to, but if you're a dad or a mom, oh it goodness. is affecting your family. Yeah, I mean, because you're going to come in and your mind's going to be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Or you just, you're numbed. You're yeah. not going to be as in tune with the needs of others. Or you're going to be angry because you're you're ticked off that I did this again and or whatever it may be. Or you're going to be... Um, distracted or worried that you're going to get caught or whatever. And that, that just sucks energy and life out of loving others. Yeah. It dulls your heart toward God. It's not like you're like, like I looked at porn, like, Oh, I just want to run to the scriptures and pray. Like, no, that's not what it, it, if you want to do what Adam and Eve did in the garden, they yeah. ran and hid and covered up. Yeah, and, and it I, does that. It breaks every relationship. Yeah, mm. and here's another thing you don't even realize, and we now know, is uh, Exodus 20, Ten Commandments says right in there, the sins of the Father are going to visit down the third and fourth generation of your legacy. Mm-hmm. I've discovered the things you do in private that your kids may never even know. 
you find out they're struggling with the same kind of sin their dad did, and they didn't even know their dad struggled with it. It's just a, it's a family legacy. Sure, yeah, and, and not in some kind of generational curse kind of thing where right. you're destined to the sins right. of your fathers or guilty for them, but but there is an impact. There's a ripple effect of sin. Yeah. It never just affects you, mm. right? And again, the church I was pastoring, God was blessing it, and people were coming to the Lord, and people were growing, and he was working in spite of me. I had, I think, what, the, what I call the, the Solomon complex. Where God was blessing, it seemed like everything I was touching, but all the while I had these compromises. Mm. And eventually it'll catch up with you because God will not, in his mercy, mm. he will not let you stay hidden. And during this time, I, I met my, my now wife. We had, long story, great story. Her side is a lot more holy than mine. But um, <laughs> we met, started dating, and I was thinking about joining a friend with a, on a church plant, a guy named Reed Monahan up in New Jersey. We were going to go up and uh, plant a church there. So it was about three and a half years through my time in Texas pastoring. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to work with him, I should probably let him know everything because I kind of felt like I wanted to just come clean. So I wrote what I now call the letter. And in the letter, I chronicled all of my sexual sin from the time I'd become a Christian up until then. And I had told Carrie about my struggle with pornography. And by his grace, the relationship really helped. And uh, there had been some distance, but I had still never been honest about where I had been. So I sent that letter to my buddy Reed. Carrie and I hopped on the plane to fly up to Jersey to film our promo video for the, the church. Uh, I got off the plane, have a voicemail. And he says, hey, let's meet up at the coffee shop. So we met up at the coffee shop. And I had the hardest encounter that I've ever had. And Reed, he was a former, you know, Division One wrestler. He sat across from me and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Garrett, I love you. He goes, but I, I read your letter and I do not in good conscience feel like we can move forward with the church plant. And to be honest with you, brother, I don't think you're qualified to be a pastor right now. Wow. He said, you've, you're not above reproach. You've been living a lie for a long time. And you need to go back and you need to tell your elders your fellow pastors, what's been going on. And, you know, I started coming up with every excuse. Oh, it's been a while. Or, hey, you know, things are new now. And da, da. He goes, no, you, you've been living a lie, and you need to tell the truth. And I knew he was right. Hmm. So I went back home, and I gave the letter to the elders. And that began 2007. It began what I call the year of the anvil. An anvil is a, <laughs> the hard metal surface that you lay something on, and you, you beat it into to shape. And the Lord used 2007 to to break me in all the ways that I needed to. Those guys and their families, all they wanted was a church that preached the Bible. All they wanted was to see their friends have a place they could go and hear about Jesus that wasn't just mixed in with dead religion. That's all they wanted in a church. And I, I hurt them. And they read the letter, and um, they wanted some time to think about it. So we met back up, and... They uh, they had some very hard words for me. One of them I still remember, a uh, good friend to this day. His name's Will. He said, uh, he said, you know, Garrett, Jesus was very patient with sexual sinners. He was very tender with them. But he was hard against religious hypocrites. And you've got to pick. Are you going to be a broken, humble sinner who needs him? Or are you going to be a religious hypocrite? And that struck me. And he was right. Those were It was a hard word, but it was the right word. I needed to hear it. In a small town, things happen, and word kind of got out about the letter somehow. And people started to have questions about, hey, heard something's going on with the pastor. And as you can imagine, mm -hmm. in a small town, it mutates. So basically what they said was, like, what we need to do is we need to have you come up in front of the church and tell everybody what you did. 
So after I got done preaching, one Sunday, one of the elders got up and said, I need to let all y'all know, many of you have probably heard, uh, Garrett has some personal things going on, uh, some personal sin. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to meet back here, and he's going to share about it. Wow. Now, we didn't have meaningful membership. Uh, so this was basically uh, anybody in this small town who wants to hear about the pastor's sin. Oh, boy. Come on out. So that night, the room was full. And it was one of those slow motion moments. My greatest fears were coming to pass. Because hmm. the reason I hadn't been honest this whole time, like I loved the Lord. I did. I loved him. And I just wanted people to know him. But I was so afraid that people were going to think bad of Jesus. Hmm. And even more so, I was afraid they were going to think bad of me. And I just basically went through the whole letter and told them everything that I had done, even as their pastor, in regards to looking at pornography and I wept and I asked for their forgiveness, told them I'd do whatever they wanted me to do. If they wanted me to resign, I resign. They wanted me to do any, whatever. I'm keenly aware that Jesus paid for that as well as a pastor, but all of that, it really broke me. Hmm. It really humbled me in a way that I needed to. When you say you're broken, what did that look like? Fast forward a couple weeks, months, somewhere in there. Because we had multiple meetings after this where there was more mm. of this and constantly confessing. And I remember I got to the place where I had confessed every sin that I could ever think of. And I was laying on the the rug in my bedroom. It was one of those plush rugs, really plush. So it was all up in my grill. And I, I remember just laying there. And I remember I had no more tears to cry. And I remember saying, okay, God, I can't think of anything else that I could confess. Mm. And he didn't speak to me audibly, but it was it was like he said... Now I can work with you. Mm. Mm. Because before I had been so trying to control my sin. And you can't control sin. You've and got to kill image. it. Yeah, I was, and that was part of it. The, my sin was not just the pornography. Pornography is never isolated. It's always tied to 10,000 other things. Mm. For me, I was discontent and I was, I was prideful. And I, it was so many things that were feeding it. And it was my area of weakness, and it was the easiest thing to run to. So that's why I think it got me so much. But, like, I felt like I had no more sins to confess. That if somebody walked in the room and said, hey, I heard something about you, I would be like, shoot, go ahead. <laughs> Who doesn't know? Like, yeah. there was nothing, you know, and I, I was in the light. Hmm. It was the hardest year of my life. I mean, it was the church I hurt. My dog died. You know, I was in a burning accident where... 12% of my body was burned, my face, my arm, all of it was uh, second and third degree burns. Um, it was a string of thing after thing after thing. And you're and engaged at this time? I was. Yeah, my wife sent uh, wedding invitations from the burn ward in, in Dallas. We didn't know if I'd ever have my face back. We had no idea. I'm thinking she read the letter, knows oh, yeah, about the letter. she was the there letter, for the whole thing. But she's thinking, I'm with you. Yeah, and I don't think she was blind. I think she was sober-minded in this, but at, at one of the meetings... Um, she got up and she said, I just want you guys to know, you're right that he sinned. We should see his sin as serious. But I want you to know, like, I'm going into my engagement with this man with eyes wide open. Like, he's repented of this. He's tried to be humble and confess his sin before you. You've got to decide whether you think he's qualified to be a pastor or not. And those are real questions. And you've, you've got to think through that. But I want you to know that this man is not walking in the darkness anymore. Mm-hmm. And... You know, she did that because I mean, she she loved the Lord, but I think she saw it rightly. You know, I had repented by this time, and God was was very kind. But it was the worst year of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I want to say for whoever's listening right now, and you think I could never tell 
I could never come out into light. You don't know what would happen if I told my husband what I've been doing or if I told my wife what I've been doing or if I told my parents or if I told my church. I need you to know that it's going to be hard. It may be harder than you imagine, but I would not trade what I gained from that year for anything because I got to see my Lord as he is. I lost my sin, but I got Jesus in a fresh way. I wasn't saved again. I hadn't lost my salvation, but I knew the intimacy and the joy of the Lord in a way that I don't think would have ever been possible any other way. Mm. Hebrews 12 talks about the the discipline is not enjoyable for the moment. It's like the understatement of the New Testament, right? (laughs) Um, He says, but it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And that peace that passes understanding when, like, if you came in here and said, I know everything about you, I would not be scared Mm. because it's in the light. And Jesus has paid it all, and I'm free. Like, it doesn't mean I couldn't be tempted. On the plane, when I'm flying here, the guy next to me was watching some show with all kinds of make-out scenes. And I'm just like, of course. So I have to turn my, <laughs> I have to turn myself to look the other way. to not. And, of course, there's a part of me that likes, well, maybe one little look. I'm like, no. I'm like, come on. Jesus is better. Mm. You know, and that's the fight all the way until we see him face to face. But I just want you to know that if you're in the midst of that battle, there's a way out. There's a way out, and Jesus paved it with his blood, and he will walk with you. And whatever it costs you, it'll be worth it because he will never leave you or forsake you. Mm. Listeners can't see this, but Garrett has his Bible right beside him. I wish you all could see it because it's marked up. You can tell that this sucker is worn. You have been in your word. You can tell that it's been your lifeline. It is my life. I, I lived by lies for so long, both as a non-believer and as a believer. I mean, I got duped, and we need his word. His word is truth. And he never breaks his promises. Hmm. He always keeps them, including this one, you know, that he's better than sin and that he will he will help you to find freedom from whatever bondage you're in right now. You don't have to always be like that. Doesn't mean you won't always struggle, but it does mean you don't have to be ensnared. Hmm. There's there's a way out. Well, let's talk about finding freedom, because I'm yeah. guessing. Did you end up having to leave that church or no. you stayed? I stayed. So they case. received you. They did. It which was is a hard a year. Beautiful thing. It was a hard year. It was. A, it was. I had a lot of offers to go to other places and even some counsel that I probably should because it was really hard. Mm. But one of the things the Lord convinced me of is that I had made this mess, and that I needed to walk through it. Mm. And you know what? <laughs> what the Lord did in me, He then did in that church. So some people left, and and I totally understand why. Right. But there's something else that left in those days, and that was the spirit of hiding and self-righteousness. People didn't hide anymore as much. I mean, you know, people still struggle with stuff. But, like, the amount of people who began to confess adulteries and anger and stealing and lying and their own porn problems and everything else you can imagine. Because all of a sudden what they saw was that in the light there's safety and grace. Like, it may hurt, but Jesus is going to put the balm of his blood upon you, and he is going to bring healing, and there's life in the light. So we began to be a community that learned to walk with a a new kind of culture, a culture of confession and repentance and running to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in a time of need. And that really changed because I I understood all of a sudden. I, I went to a Christian counselor during this time, and his name's John. And he was the first brother who helped me to understand that the gospel was not just for non-Christians, mm. but it was for Christians. He helped me to see that the gospel is for broken Christians, too. 
and that we never graduate from being broken, desperate, needy sinners. Like we don't stop that. We need that increasingly so. When we sin as a believer, we sin with eyes wide open, with the Spirit indwelling us. And that's all the more grievous, right? Mm. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So praise God that there's there's help and there's hope. And yeah, so we stayed for another three years and the Lord helped us to complete that chapter in a time when, when I left, it wasn't because of scandal. It was because, you know what? I think I've led you guys as far as I can. And I went and served under another pastor for about a year. It was kind of my practical PhD and then went from there out to, to help revitalize a church outside of Washington, D.C. And I've been there. There is a beauty to that. I feel like when Dave confessed at our church, mm-hmm. like this, and I think you had been beyond it, Dave, because we were, you weren't pastoring when this came out of your porn struggle. Mm-hmm. But when you confessed to the church that that had been a struggle and that our marriage, like when we were struggling in our marriage, we would talk about it. And we would say, leave your mask at the door. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Come in free in terms of who you are and what yep. you're struggling with because we will meet you where yep. you are because that's what Jesus that's what does. He, does. he meets yeah. us right where I mean, we are. I remember when I... Uh, Man, I can see it. I mean, back then we were renting a space, you know. Uh, we used to call ourselves a church where if you can find us, you can join us because we had a different hotel or, you know, whatever. And so we were at this Michigan State Management Center the night I decided I need to confess my struggle. And we just started first year and just a couple hundred people coming at that point. But uh, I remember uh, my co-founder who came up. Uh, after I got off the stage and he just looked at me and he goes, you just changed this church. Mm-hmm. I go, what do you mean? And I wasn't thinking I'm setting a, you know, a, a sort of a core value for us. But he was like, you just set a core value. You, you just said to this church, this is a place where you don't have to fake mm-hmm. and hide. Yeah. You can be honest and Jesus will meet you right there. Yeah. And looking back 30 years later, he was right. It was like it became known as the place where. The grace of Jesus will meet you where you are, not where you're pretending to be, you know, mm-hmm. and so but he won't. But he's so loving. He won't let you stay yeah. there. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. And and he's going to surround you with a community, which is what you did. You said, I have to say this out loud to somebody mm-hmm. so they can come into my darkness yeah. and bring the light and me out of there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's where, you know, the next chapter is learning then to, to live as a Christian like that. So we. We don't want it to just be like one big epic confession exactly. and then, then that's it. But right. like now, how do you cultivate the Christian life that is oriented toward toward heaven, toward Christ, where we're all helping one another, encouraging one another day by day, as long as it's called today, so that we will not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? How do we learn to confess on the regular to one another and honestly and live in the light? Because anything left in the dark, the devil will use. But when you walk in the light as he is in the light, mm. like there's fellowship and freedom and joy. Yeah. And that's the way that Christ intends us to, to follow him. And it's possible, you know, and there's no perfect church. I mean, our church isn't isn't perfect now by any stretch of imagination. <laughs> we, we're struggling. You know, we all still want to hide yeah. stuff and nobody wants yeah. to, you know, but but we fight against it. We'll regularly welcome people to be like, hey. Glad that you're here. If you were looking for people who had it all together, you came to the wrong place because <laughs> they are not here. None of us are. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the spirit of Christ, right? Yeah. That he welcomes he welcomes all. Well, I, what's interesting is your book, Pure in Heart, Sexual Sin and the Promises of God, all we've covered so far is like the first couple chapters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, we got to step into the what does purity look like? How does God deliver us and bring us to victory and freedom, right? I yeah, mean, that's, there's so much, a lot yeah. of that's the rest of your book, and I mm-hmm. think we need to we need to talk more. And I want to say, well done. Like the letter, you know, mm-hmm. the letter in quotation marks that you wrote. 
the fact that that was read and then you confessed it and talked about it in front of your whole church, that is not an easy thing to do. I can see that you've changed your entire life and legacy as a result mm-hmm. of that courageous step. Yeah. The Lord gives the strength. Yeah. Like I was, I was too weak to do that by myself. Mm. He, he brought me to the end of myself and he used other people to help me. But I do praise him for it. Yeah. It was, it was the best decision I've ever made we aside too. from following Jesus. Yeah. And I, and I would add this, that if you're listening and you've got that secret in the dark and mm. nobody knows, the dark wins yeah. every time. You've got to choose to do what Garrett did and say, I've got to write a letter or I've got to make a phone call. Right but now. Somebody Don't has wait. to know my struggle because victory is on the other side of that confession. Mm. It's where it begins is when you bring it into the light. So today's your day. Many of us know that mold festers in the dark. It grows in dark places. It multiplies And it causes destruction as well. And sin is exactly the same. God wants us to drag our sin kicking and screaming into the light because that's where healing is. That's where transformation takes place. What I love about Garrett Kell and his conversation today with David Ann Wilson is that it was a practical and encouraging conversation that really it raises the bar, but it also saturates us with grace. It helps us to know that, hey, we're not alone. We're not alone in our struggles here, and when we're honest and transparent about them, God will change us and then in turn bring glory to his name so the gospel can go forth. Christians are forgiven failures, and it's helpful to know that even pastors are forgiven failures too. Garrett has written a book called Pure in Heart, Sexual Sin and the Promises of God. For many of us who are trapped in sexual sin, we believe that sometimes there's just no escape. And he helps us to know that there is good news in the gospel, not just at salvation, but in our present struggles today. If you want to find great answers to this very common struggle amongst many of us, you could pick up a copy of Garrett Kell's book, Pure in Heart, in our Family Life Resource Center. You could head to our website at familylifetoday.com to order a copy, or you can give us a call at 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And while you're there, many of you know that Family Life Today is listener-supported. While you're there ordering a copy of Garrett's book, if you make a donation, of any amount all this week, we want to send you a copy of Sharon James's book, When You Don't Like Your Story. I think it's very interesting how we're talking about this topic with Garrett Kell when it comes to sexual sin and how the shame of that can really help us to feel embarrassed about our story, about some of the things in our past. And that's why this book by Sharon James is so incredibly helpful because we can look at our story and go, you know, what? I just really don't like that very much. But her question is, what if your worst chapters could actually become your greatest victories? God is in the business of taking the ugly parts of our lives, turning them around, and giving glory to himself in the process. So when you make a donation of any amount at FamilyLifeToday.com, we'll send you a copy of Sharon James's book, When You Don't Like Your Story. 
Now, tomorrow, Dave and Ann Wilson are going to be talking one more time with Garrett Kell about what does it mean to run the race with purity from the beginning to the end. That's coming up tomorrow. We hope you can join us. If this content today or any of our Family Life programs have been helpful for you, we'd love for you to share today's podcast with a family member or a friend. And wherever you get your podcast, it could really advance the work of Family Life today if you'd scroll down and rate and review us. On behalf of David Ann Wilson, I'm Shelby Abbott. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Additional support, you can visit my website, shaneidleman.com, where I will also write about many of the topics that we will be discussing. Sermons and free downloads of my books are also available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.